Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life. We're on episode 717 and I'm so excited to talk more about how to create that ultimate life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. I have a really cool guest today, uh, Jenny DeBolt, who is an expert and a personal experiencer of stuff about suicide and the whole set of mental things that get us to that point and then dealing with those issues from the personal perspective and from a support perspective. So we're going to dive into a little bit of that today. Jenny, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kellen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I was super excited to be on your show. Um, what Your message is powerful. Well, thank you. And I, um, I really am committed. My goal for this year is to help 10 million people to discover, develop, and serve with their divine gifts. And I have no exact idea of how I'm going to do that podcast, YouTube channel, Facebook lives. I write books and I know you just finished one. You get a chance to tell us about that in a bit. Uh, and, and then of course I run group and private coaching, but I'm just committed to helping people do that. Cause I'm so convinced like you that, that things start with love and forgiveness is a big part of that. So tell me what you're, most important key is for people to live with purpose, prosperity, and joy? I serve people to help them understand that they play the biggest part in their mental health well-being, the biggest part, you know, and um, getting there has some ingredients and things that you need to do, but they ultimately start with self-love, which is self acceptance and self-forgiveness, but I really help people understand that you can heal your mental health yourself. I mean, some of us may still need pharmaceuticals or natural remedies, but ultimately you can play the biggest part. And I feel like that's a missing piece in most cultures. And, and we don't teach people many coping skills and things you can do to heal your mind. So. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the things I had a client once several years ago who <clears throat> I didn't know this when we started, but she mentioned to me that she had been on antidepressants for some 20 years and that they weren't working as well anymore. And I don't know what they were working on. And, and she did tell me which one, but it didn't really matter. What was interesting was the idea that, oh, the chemical is not working. And that's the whole idea that the externality the thing out there fixes me and it's not working. So I need a new thing out there. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with needing a supplement. I mean, we take vitamin C or vitamin Q or X, Y, Z or whatever, mm -hmm. but the biggest piece is your own movement of the levers of your life. Yeah. And, you know, we could really dive deep, deeper into that and we don't necessarily need to do that, but really, I'm passionate about helping people understand that 
simple things like breathing and having faith. I mean, I just recently came to faith about two years ago and that was always the missing piece. Now I'm partial to Jesus, but any faith is, is better than no faith. And, um, that's a big part of it, but pharmaceuticals, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I actually, uh, have bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. One of the medications I take, I've been taking for 23 years and I was on a different one for like 10 years and 13 years ago, we changed it. One is an antidepressant and one is a mood stabilizer. Mm -hmm. So, um, I am one of those people that takes stuff to live a normal life and not have those mood swings that can come with that. But I've found that since I started taking natural ways about that, like proper vitamins, water, sleep, I mean, just those simple things in themselves can change your life. And, but the other thing is saying nice things to yourself. You know, um, I'm in this thing where we're doing some training on speaker being good, you know, speakers and, one of the things I talked about yesterday was a mirror exercise that I like to have people do where you look in the mirror, never leave your eyes. You are looking into your own soul and you tell yourself that you love yourself with your name. I love you, Jenny. I really love you. We're in this amazing journey together and you are an amazing person. You take me on a wonderful life. And, and then tell yourself, I forgive you. I forgive you. I accept you as you are. And I love you. And let me tell you, when you first start this exercise and you've not done any of this work, it will reduce you to tears and you will have a hard time looking at yourself. Like you'll want to stray away from your eyes. And that's the work we need to do. Like we talk about a lot of physical self help self-care but we need to do work on accepting what's in our mind for who we are now and what's in our heart for who we are now and forgiveness is man I have some still have some guilt I've done a lot of work and I still have some guilt from losing my dad to suicide um, that I'm still working through and it's weird because I listen to your podcast series on forgiveness, you know, so oftentimes we think, okay, I've forgiven myself and this person. And then months later or years later, it crops up again. And then you have to deal with forgiveness again of self and person or one or the other, you know, but, um, I, I, I I gotta say, I, I just absolutely love you (laughs) and what you're saying. I, I am feeling that that mirror exercise is something I use with my clients too. And I thought oh. of a funny story. I do. I have them look right in their eyes and say, I love you. And I tell them that you're going to want to look away. You're going to want to substitute anything for the word love. You're going to, and I had a client once tell me after I gave him that assignment, he came back and he said, Oh man, I'd rather put my hand in a meat grinder than do that. You know? And that, that's, that was his description of the difficulty that you've described. And I love, love that exercise. I love that you do that. I love that you teach people what you said a minute ago about uh, you, this external stuff, but you got to pay attention to your internal stuff. 
what does a person, what do people think happens when they speak harshly to themselves? Like if I yell at someone else, if I speak negatively with them and they hear me, it causes a reaction and the chemistry, the neurochemistry in their body goes crazy. They either get defensive or they get angry or they feel bad about themselves. And that causes neurochemistry in them that they have to process because chemistry in blood is like alcohol. It takes time to process. So if you talk to yourself, and I'm saying this for the benefit of the listeners, what Jenny just said about how you talk to yourself is so important because when you crap all over yourself with your words, with your attitudes, with your negativity, you're creating that whole poison cocktail in your own bloodstream and in your own heart that just lives there. And if you live in a state of constant criticism, you're buried in that all the time. And you then wonder, well, why do I feel so bad? Well, that you might start there, you know, with all this crap you're saying to yourself. And so I just, I had to just hug you virtually since we're on the camera for this beautiful truth that you've shared about self-love, self-acceptance, your language for yourself and so forth. Now I have a specific question that I always ask all my guests and that's this. I define living the ultimate life as the having a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your divine gifts. How do you define the ultimate life? Um, Honestly, to just keep it simple without a bunch of fancy words, mm -hmm. serving. I mean, we are here to serve. And if, if we're not serving, we're not doing it right. Um, I, you know, you can serve in your riches, your time, or your skill set, talents. Like you and I have these journeys that we've been on, and we're taking these journeys and we're serving others with them. And, and really, we're spending money and time as well. But ultimately, it's coming from our journey. And it's not easy to keep sharing your journey. And it's just not easy. Um, backing up a little bit about talking to yourself. I mean, Kellen, you and I have done a lot of work, right? We know better than to talk bad to ourselves. But do we still do it? Yes. I mean, we'd be lying to tell our audience we never do it. So I'll just use a simple example. Sometimes I will do something, you know, silly. We always do something dumb. And I, and I might say to myself, oh, Jenny, that was so dumb. You know how many times I will say that and redirect myself and go, that was not dumb. You just made a mistake. You're amazing. I mean, I've had times where I've said such bad things to myself that I've literally gone to a mirror. I do it in my car too, where I face the rear view mirror at me or I go to my bathroom real quick and I look myself in the eyes and I say, you will not say that anymore. That's not true. You are phenomenal. Like you have to redirect because you will have these thoughts, right? But I, in the, in the message of serving others, I just want to make sure that I explain to people that you don't ever get rid of these thoughts. Like we have to learn to redirect and, and, and speak well when we speak bad. Take a plant in one room or one part of your house the same plant, buy them at the same time. Take one into one part of your house where, the, where each of them can't hear you. Go in every day and talk negatively to the one plant and go to the other plant every day. You know, you, you look good today. You know, I'm so glad to see you today. And then go to the other one every day and say, man, you're a pain in the ass. I'm having to keep taking care of you. You're inconvenient. You don't even look good. See what happens to those two plants. The same thing is true of us, right? Where this 
amazing being and like ball of energy, like just this huge thing of energy. And so when you say something bad, you speak to even think something bad, you speak to every cell in your body. And that's what happens to plants. You can see it real time in an outward way where it's hard for us to see that of ourselves. So if you do it to plants, which are also living things and things of energy, then you can see it with your own eyes. And so when you see that, or you can watch even videos on YouTube of it, when you see that, that's what happens to you, but you may not visually be able to see it, but it is in here. And um, that's my real message to serve others is to take care of your mind, take care of how awesome you are. So I love that. Very simple. And I always ask what the ultimate life is for someone because so many, there's so much messaging, uh, movies, books, social media, society, that what you have in terms of either status or possessions defines your coolness, you know? And so if you have a lot of cool stuff, then you must be all that. And what you've just said is, gee, the ultimate life, and ultimate is a big word. The ultimate life is a life of service. So I use the word love a lot, and it ties into this piece of the conversation. And so so that it's clear, I define it. So people don't wonder, well, I wonder what you mean when he says love. Well, I have a definition. To love someone is to make a choice. It's a verb. To serve them in their highest and best interest with whatever resources I have, Uh, my spiritual resources, my physical resources, my emotional resources, mental resources. So it's a choice to serve someone and use my resources to do that in their highest, best interest. And so when that definition is clear, it's easy to understand what love is and serving them. And so when you say that, that's what I think of. Okay, that means using those things to do good, lift, bless that person. And it makes it easy to love someone. Now, I know in the context of your journey, which I don't know much of the details of, but I'd like you to share some. How did you get to a place where you feel like you are living that ultimate life where you love every day and you get excited? You're excited about getting up. Yay, I get another day to do good. What happened to bring you to that place? Um, Callan, may I share a little bit of my history now? Please do. Okay, I would have to do that to get to that. So um, this is going to be like vomit mouth because what I'm going to share is a lot. Okay. But in, in to value the time that we have, I kind of have to get, just get it out and move okay. on so you can kind of see where we got. So um, uh, 22 years ago, I lost my niece. She was 14 months old. She drowned in a pool. And it, at the time, it was my sister's only child. And I'm the oldest of six. And the oldest of the three of us have the same dad. And we grew up here in Arizona. My other three siblings grew up in Colorado. So um, when she died, it's unimaginable. It, no one thinks you're going to lose a child. It, it doesn't happen, right? I mean, it, that happens to other people. That doesn't happen to you. That happens to everybody else. Well, that's not true. I can tell you from experience, you probably can't do it. it will happen to you, maybe. So my sister uh, 
the healthcare system is broken and has been broke mental healthcare system for a long time. My sister needed crisis help right now. No psychiatrist could get her in right away because we don't have enough. Um, I could get into that on a whole other tangent. I mean, insurances don't aren't required to carry a certain amount per populace like they are doctors and they pay them less in percentage than they do medical care professionals. I mean, it's, just, it's a broken system. So at the time my sister needed some, to get in right away, we couldn't get her in for like eight weeks for, to a psychiatrist. And now by the time we got her in, she was self-medicating with alcohol. And, and that, she was never a drinker before that, ever. I, I don't even think she socially drank that often. She was like me, like occasional drinking. And that was a horrible journey. <clears throat> Caring for somebody in your family that you absolutely love, who's an alcoholic, that doesn't want to be an alcoholic and can't escape it is really hard. So, you know, fast forward to nearly eight years later, um, there's this kind of thing that says when some, when people lose a child, once you get past like seven years, that's really when it seems seem to be better and kind of boil over and everything's good. <clears throat> so my sister, we get to seven years and eight months. And by, I had this weird thing by seven years. I was like, oh, good. All we got to do is get through this alcoholism. But what I didn't know at the time is the alcoholism was because there was lack of self-love. There was lack of forgiveness because she really was somewhat responsible for the drowning without getting into the details. So the guilt she was carrying, I can only imagine. There was always like this white elephant in the room that nobody wanted to talk about because we don't want to hurt her, but not talking about it hurt her. So I lost her to suicide seven years and eight months later and could not, I was beside myself like, wait a minute, we got past the seven years, but I didn't understand. So to be very blunt, I barely survived my sister's death myself. It, I kind of raised her. My mom moved when we were 11 and my dad worked nights and I was this mom figure, always getting homework done, cooking dinners, doing laundry, getting them ready in the morning because my dad was working. So I was always this mom figure plus the oldest child. So I had a lot of guilt that I couldn't help her. Okay, so those were rough the first couple months, I to this day, I, well, now I know why I'm alive. <laughs> I spent a long time not understanding how I didn't die myself. So fast forward, my sister died on January 1st, 2008. My dad went into retirement a year before she died. Amazing retirement. He was a, re a teamster, great pension, two homes, paid cash for a truck, built this like man cage garage it was bigger than his actual house square footage i mean living the ultimate life in what we think is the ultimate life by by things we have right, right? having stuff right right we think that's the ultimate life so capitalism has driven us there so we thought everything's great but it wasn't because he lost a child too and he wasn't dealing with that guilt they actually weren't talking at the time over money so there's that guilt that you have a hard time living with. And I never really gave him the grace of he was dealing with death of a child like I did with my sister. It's just kind of weird. So my dad, um, he was going through depression. We had a, a flood in a vacant family home we grew up in. 
insurance paid for everything. But my dad just, I, I couldn't quite grasp it. Like it just caused this major mind turmoil for him. He had to sign um, full power of attorney over to me so I could deal with insurance. I mean, he was not allowed to go to that house. He was not allowed to talk to insurance. I had it, everything. It was like a $20,000 job that cost us a thousand dollars. Like it, it ended up being a good thing, but he could never, he was so traumatized by this thing because it was like an emotional home, you know? So that really messed that depression and trauma started like a domino effect. It got really bad. It took him to get help. We found out later he wasn't even taking the medication that was prescribed to him. And we thought he was, and um, we lost him four years later to suicide on January 3rd of 2012. So here we are only four years out of my sister still like that anniversary date is just traumatizing still. And then two days, we got the call on January 4th, but then three days later we find out he's died by suicide. Now the odds of having two bloodline family members die by suicide are real slim. I've met very few people in the community with that. But what it led me to is my sister, I was very angry. Even though I had compassion for her, I was very angry. I was very hurt. How could you do this to me? But when my dad died, I was like, there is no way my dad would do that to me and us. No, he loved us with everything he had. There was no way he would do that. And I, about a year later after he died, I came to this realization that we don't see mental health properly. Here we are saying they killed themselves. I lost both of mine by hanging or they hung themselves. It's like these accusatory terms are action verbs on these people taking away from mental health problems. If we blame them, we're not focusing on the right thing. So if they're responsible for their death, then we're not really focusing on mental health, even though we are, we're kind of not. And I don't think they're responsible. I feel like if you have a, if someone has a heart attack, we don't say they heart attacked themselves. They very well could have been eating like crap, no exercise, right? But we have compassion for them for dying by heart attack. And the brain is another organ. If it's not well and not serving you, what happens? I, I don't know. Like, I've survived many things. My brain was able to make it past that. You've survived many things. Your brain was able to make it past that. But I feel like there's some kind of complication at some point where some people don't survive. But it is ultimately a complication of a brain illness. And I felt like I was seeing it wrong. I know my dad wouldn't have done that on a conscious level. And I felt like, something is not right. Like they died of something that was without outside of their control. Now I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying there's a lot of value in personal experience. And I just know I would never say about my loved ones. They killed themselves. They committed suicide. I would never say those things. I used to, but now I say they died by suicide. They died from suicide because the blame is health, is mental health. And when you say suicide, that's part of mental health. If I'm in a child's crowd, a crowd of children or people that maybe 
don't know the word suicide, I sometimes say mental, they died by, from mental health complications because that's what it was, truth be told. And so what that led me to was what was missing? What was the missing piece? And then I realized it was self-love and it started with self-forgiveness. My sister had this guilt about her daughter's drowning that she never dealt with and she never forgave herself. And she never just accepted that she made a mistake. Sometimes we leave a gallon of milk in the car after the grocery store. And the next day we're like, oh crap, this milk, now I gotta go get another gallon of milk, right? But other tiny mistakes sometimes lead to a drowning. Mm -hmm. They have like consequences you can't even imagine. But in the end, it was a simple mistake. Um, so I started to realize, wait, and then my dad never forgave himself for not talking to my sister and, and all this other stuff and accepting himself for who he was. Um, I really feel like he had some guilt over maybe not being the most perfect parent and fixing that house up. He was in the process of fixing the house up when the flood happened and fixing that house up was his way of making up for lost time or where he didn't do it exactly right. And then there was this flood. Like, it, I think it was an emotional thing that he attached. And that's when I realized what is missing in our lives is forgiveness, acceptance, and ultimately self-love. And that led me on this journey. So I have some, I, thank you. And that's fine to share that. And I, I, it's beautiful. I want to dive into what we need now to learn to have because we see we had this horrible shooting take place the other day with where someone died of obviously mental health issues and previously just a few days before that in another place and there is just so much demonstrated evidence of mental health problems that are not being addressed the root of much of it is self-love a healthy self-concept and so forth and that is foundational to creating a life you can enjoy and you know we're, we're using the word ultimate life here but a life you can even enjoy or tolerate is founded in fact the degree to which you can enjoy your life is uh, very closely connected to the degree to which you love yourself right would you agree yes. with that oh absolutely no right. doubt so what are some things we need to do today on a daily basis with ourselves not society not stuff out there because then people say well i can't control yeah i know Today, the things we can control, I talk about this a lot, but I want to hear your stuff because I love what you're saying, mirror work and other things. What can we do, our listeners here now, do to go on a journey to explore how much they love themselves, how much they don't, what can they do about it and start leveling up love, forgiveness, and ultimately life joy? Okay. I'm going to share three main things. One, find a faith find a faith system. It helps you understand why we're here. It helps you get closer to life purpose. Two, if you're not there yet, daily gratitude, daily gratitude. And I'm not talking about maybe in time, you can start talking to yourself in daily gratitude. But if you're new to the practice, you need to have a journal. You could have just something like this, a little note card thing, a little note card book. Doesn't have to be anything but big. Wake up in the morning, right? two, three things that you're, grat you're grateful for. Don't spend more than a minute or two on this, on this, because the longer you have to spend on it when the practice is new to you, 
the more you may not do it. So you want to get out of bed, have it right there by your bed, quickly write down. It might be something like, I got my eyebrows on yesterday and they looked great. <laughs> right? Yep. And it might be something like, man, it was an amazing sunny day yesterday. And it might be something like, God did this amazing miracle for me tomorrow or yesterday. Right? Or I feel mm -hmm. great today. It could be something tiny. And it can be something big. And for, when you first start, oftentimes it's just tiny things that you can be grateful for, right? Just small things. My, you know, I, I broke these new shoes in today. They find yesterday, they finally felt good. <laughs> no more blisters. So just silly things that may not mean a lot to you, but it means a, it, it matters when you're doing daily gratitude. So just take a pen really quick, jot two or three things down, put it down, done for the day. Don't type it. Don't write it in your phone. Don't think it. Well, you will think it ultimately. Write it in your handwriting. Your handwriting speaks to your subconscious because it, it recognizes your handwriting. And it's still doing work when you're to your subconscious all the time. So you want to write it. Also, I would do the same practice before you go to bed at night. And if you're like me, I oftentimes fall asleep accidentally. Maybe just do it you know, after dinner. Because otherwise I might not get it done. So just, again, two, three things quickly. Don't spend a lot of time. Write it down. You're teaching and rewiring your brain and yourself to start your day and end your day with something positive and something you're grateful for. You're literally rewiring your brain. That was one of the first things I did. Because I didn't find my faith till less than two years ago. So to, just to be blatantly honest with the, the audience, I did not have my faith until two years ago. My dad died 10 years ago. So that's how long it took me to find faith. But I was doing daily gratitude. Um, and it's very powerful. The other thing, affirmations. You know, I don't have my book right here. I wish I had it right here. But I have an affirmation book. And, and if you don't know what affirmations are, just look them up online. Make it easy. Look them up online. Copy them but write them down in a journal in your own handwriting. In my affirmation book, I have a little note card that sticks up that I kind of folded. There's love ones, there's money or abundance ones, money ones, and um, acceptance ones. So maybe I'm having a hard time with acceptance and I did something, then I will go into my affirmation one time a day. I'll open it up and I'll out loud read a few affirmations five times in a row. To, I'll say them out, out loud. One, they're in your handwriting, which again is doing work here. And two, you're saying it out loud. So you're thinking and you're saying it to every cell in your body. I mean, things like only good things come to me. Hey, you may not believe that, but say it. Only good things come to me. So when you're looking up affirmations online, because maybe you're not familiar with this practice, you're going to read somewhere. You're going to say, I'm not going to say that to myself because that's not even true. No. Write them down. Say them out loud. You're, you're rewiring your brain. So those are my three main things to do to get started in the journey of self-love. And, and, and if you don't have faith, that's fine. Do not stress about that start with gratitude and affirmations every day. And it's hard because you're not used to doing it and don't spend a lot of time on it so that it's easy, but start today. 
So I want to thank you for that. I, I want to repeat those things. Faith is important. We are divine beings. And, you know, I, I died and had a near-death experience and wrote a few books about that. So I know that's true. And so I agree. Faith is important, however you structure it and whatever you call it. Uh, gratitude is key. It creates neurotransmitters and a feeling in our body that is like un unlike any other. And words of positive belief, affirmations, uh, they are useful in terms of helping you consider a new possibility. A lot of times people treat affirmations and they say them like, oh, it's something I don't believe. And I hope that if I repeat it enough, I'll talk myself into it. That's not really the point. You're not trying to argue with yourself. It is treat it more like an opportunity to consider another another path. So if you think you've had bad luck and you use the one that she said, only good things come to me. Only good things come to me. No, they don't. Only good things come. That, that's not helpful. Only good things come to me. Hmm. Only good things come to me. And explore that as a possibility to allow the rewiring that she talked about to happen and to consider the possibility that things could change. I'm really grateful. We're longer than we normally run. And I love that. I love the story and the things that we've done. Jenny, I want to thank you for your work in forgiveness, for your work on helping people take control of their lives, and for the love and beauty that you're bringing into the world. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Kellen. Um, I did want to say these are just a few, right? We talk about a lot more. I um, put 111 things you can do to self-heal in my book. 111. I, 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 so let me ask you explicitly really quick. If people want to follow you or find you, your book or wherever else, what is the best way to find Jenny? The best way to find me and um, follow is suicide and sequins, name of the book.com, suicide and sequins.com. Um, because I wear sequins every day. I'm, those listening can't see that, but that's what I started doing with my sister on the journey. I, I could barely leave my house. So I started wearing sparkly stuff. And when I eventually realized it was a brand, now I intentionally wear it every day. If I show up with no sequins, I, I would get a lot of questions about it. Like what's wrong with you today? So <laughs> suicide and sequins, it's my journey of from grief to light and living with them cohesively. Um, so it's also on Amazon, Suicide and Sequence. But the best way to keep in touch with me is at suicideandsequence.com. And you can get on our mailing list and all that good stuff. But I have 111 joy gems, we call them, in the book where it can help you heal yourself. Thank you. I love it. I'm grateful to have you here. So I want to reemphasize to the listeners, everyone here, faith, gratitude, <clears throat> positive statements, affirmations. The book, Suicide in Sequence, 111 Gems. Grateful to have that advice here today. And I can tell you many of the things that she said I do, I can tell you from my own experience, will help you on your journey to create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the ground.
the sky and you'll 